0: Log Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Hits Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors This week's special guest will join us a bit later, but first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel.
1: All right, good evening everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. We're in another season, uh, season nine, it's hard to believe that uh, we're doing that here uh, on the show, and I'm really, really excited as always. And uh, we're going to get right into it, so I'm going to introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel and bring them on and then we'll get into this evening's discussion and then a little bit later on I'm going to be joined by the Managing Director at the Horseshoe Bay Resort in Texas, Brian Woodward will be joining me on the second half of the show. All right, first up on the Coach's Corner panel is Jamie Leno-Zimron. She's a Class A LBJ teacher professional. She's also a sixth degree Aikido black belt, somatic psychologist, corporate speaker and mind-body fitness trainer. She also graduated Phi Beta Kappa uh, from Stanford University, and she is the owner, or sorry, is the creator of the Ki Golf, the Centered Way. Uh, also, rounding up the panel tonight is John Decker, uh, with his new position this year, Director of Instruction at the Medallion Club in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, prior, he was uh, an instructor, uh, head instructor at the Grand Cypress Academy of Golf in Orlando, Florida, and he's also one of the senior editors and top 25 instructor at Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, in 2015, he was the Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year. And also authored the book, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, uh, which, of course, includes accompanying Bible study. And he's also a public speaker. So uh, two great guests tonight on the Coach's Corner panel. And we're going to get into tonight's discussion. But first, let me bring them on. Guys, welcome to the Coach's Corner panel.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Beth. Happy to be here. Yep. First one of the year. All right. Great.
1: Yeah, first one for you guys. That's right, this year. Um, All right. So we're going to talk about... You know, as I was mentioning to you both off air, um, you know, for you and I, Jamie, you know, we're in in a, a little sunnier climate, so uh, we can pretty much play golf all year round, and most of the the people that are in our regions can. Uh, and but for those that are not, that are maybe just starting to thaw out a little bit from uh, from winter and eager to get back out there, uh, we we're going to talk about preparing for the first round of the year. So I'm going to sort of lay things out here. And I'm going to start in the order that I introduced you, so Jamie, I'll let you go first in a moment, and then uh, John, I'll let you uh, follow up. All right, so this was something that I read uh, late last year, and uh, as I mentioned to you both, I talked a little bit about it earlier uh, in the season on uh, one of my other programs, the Women of Golf, with my good friend, LPGA professional Cindy Miller. And I found this a really interesting thing. This was a gentleman that had done it. I don't have his name in front of me. I forgot um, but he set this up, and basically what he did is he, he set up categories for all the different parts of your game and then assigned them either a good, an okay, or a poor rating. Um, and, and certainly while evaluating your game is, is nothing new, we've we've done that, we've heard about that many times, setting it up in a table or creating different categories to organize your information from the round is something really that hasn't been tried before. Uh, so uh, while it might take a little more time and effort to create Uh, maybe keeping track of your performance in in a more consistent, objective way, it will definitely help you focus your practice in the areas uh, that need most improvement. So um, what we want to do, Jamie, is this. We're going to tackle the first one is putting. And uh, I'm going to throw some examples in here uh, just so that we can get a a general idea of how this is going to work. So in putting, uh, in this particular case, he's, of course, using his own uh, game for reference. Uh, He assigned himself a poor rating. So while he didn't necessarily, and he talks, I'm sort of talking to the third person here, um, while he didn't do anything horribly wrong uh, with his putting, uh, distance control was very inconsistent along with some of the reads that you were making, uh, or that he was making, uh, definitely an area that needs practice. This is an area that a lot of people struggle with, Jamie, is putting, and he's given himself right from the get-go uh, a poor rating based on his previous season. Uh, Talk about what do you think about first overall sort of rating it like this, um, agree, disagree, or maybe would do something different. And then talk about when you're in a situation where you have given yourself a rating as such, what are some things that you can do to change that around?
2: Well, it's, you know, this is really a great time to be thinking about these things, right? Kind of the top of the year, Mm -hmm. the top of the season. Um, And, you know, I think it's interesting to look at, To really do an evaluation, right? Uh, We tend to, at New Year's time, kind of review, go back over the year. How about right now looking forward and saying, okay, what did I do last year? What was good? What would I like to work on? Uh, What would I like to maybe change? Um, You know, we're not necessarily in the same place we were before, right? So it's a really good idea to evaluate. And I think to approach the new year with what we call in the martial arts, beginner's mind right, to bring a new mind mm-hmm. to your game and to your goals, in a sense. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I like that idea. And <clears throat> somebody may want to lower their scores, but how do you get there? Well, working on different aspects of your game and then taking a, making an honest evaluation of each area of your game. So this gentleman is uh, focused on putting, which I think is tremendous, actually, uh, Ted, you know, I'm writing a book, and I'm just finishing the chapter on uh, golf, which is a case study uh, of the principles that I teach. So, um, and, you know, Tiger Woods basically learned to play golf from green to tee. So he's a good model, right? I mean, he's a great golfer. Mm-hmm. And it was fun just seeing him at two years old, right? Came out of the Merv Griffin show, carrying his little bag, takes a swing, but then he putts. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And he's having a little pretty right. match bubble. He picks up the golf ball and he puts it six inches from the hole. Well, as it turns out, that's a basic drill that I like to do, the six inch drill, which is the idea that we have this little macrocosmic movement which is a little back along the target line, hit the ball square, follow through squarely. And six inches from the cup you wanna hit the um the pin. Squarely, and you can really see where your putter face is. It's amazing that in a in just an area of a couple of inches, we will turn that putter face right, and the ball is going mm-hmm. offline. So it's not that right. simple to make that tiny little putt properly. But that little little area is what we call the impact zone, really the hitting zone, and along the target line, square impact, follow through straight along the target line. So if you can really get that concept right, and you and you're working first on setup. In your putting, and for me, that's about you know being centered and aligned and grounded and good grip and you know having everything in alignment and the club face aimed properly. So we've got these essentials that show up in every aspect of the game, and we're working on them in this little microcosmic area of putting. Um, and of course, you know you, you grow bigger than a six-inch putt. But if you're working on those principles and gaining uh, <clears throat> really gaining that command of yourself. And, of course, you know, looking at the contours, how do you line up, how do you read the the, um, the green, you know, things like this, um, because basically we have to read those contours on every shot. What's the wind? Which way is the, you know, what's that, do I want to be on? Where's the pin? How am I setting things up, et cetera. Um, so I think that working on putting clearly, we say a putt for, you know, drive show putt for dough uh, is, is extremely important. That's where we really save our strokes. But I think uh, for this gentleman and for everybody, If um, you have that mindset that in working on this little mini, very, very mini swing, um, that you're working on the essentials, that are going to be the core, the guts of your short game and your full swing, you're going to get kind of multiple add dividends.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well said. Um, John, he he moves on to to another area, chipping. And in this particular uh, area, he, he gives himself an okay rating. Um, So, at at the start of the round, he gives an example here, at the start of the round, you know, chipping was horrendous. Uh, You might have been chunking the balls and none of the shots seemed to really set him up or set you up uh, uh, in a position to score. Uh, As you continue through, a few chips on the back nine were pretty spectacular and led to some par. So, here he's he's defining himself as okay because he did hit some good shots, obviously hit some bad shots. It becomes a consistency problem mainly, uh, but the basics are still there. Walk us through a little bit. Give me, first off, your thoughts on uh, how he set himself up uh, to gauge his overall game uh, as we move through this uh, thing. And then also talk about chipping. He's talking about here, he's defining it as inconsistent. It's okay because he's had some good success in his round at some point. uh, But overall, there's a lot of inconsistency. Give me your thoughts.
3: Well, Ted, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. And happy uh, belated birthday. And, Jamie, it's a pleasure to be on with you as well. One of the first things that really stands out to me about this gentleman's assessment is his honesty. Uh, that's one of the biggest mistakes that I see a lot of my students make is they'll come in and they'll say, oh, I'm a really good putter, or oh, I'm a really good chipper. And then in reality, they're not. Uh, they're, they're, they're losing so many strokes uh, from 35 yards and in, and most of that being on the greens. Uh, that And, you know, if you're right off the edge of the green and you – and you have an opportunity to chip it up there, a fairly routine shot, you know chip it up there maybe uh, three or three or four feet from the hole, uh, and you knock it twenty five feet by the hole. most likely you're going two or three putt and you're just running your score up so I love the fact that he's being honest with himself and and he's addressing the areas of the game that may not be as sexy as standing there hitting drivers, but he's giving himself an honest assessment. As far as chipping goes, the most basic principle that I look for in chipping is that you want to have some st- stability in your left side when you're setting up if you're a right-handed golfer. So a lot of times I will give my students the flamingo drill where you actually stand on one foot. and you can. There's different versions of this, but basically you would take your right foot and, and kind of lift it in the air like a flamingo, and so all of your weight is obviously on your left foot. And then with different clubs, you you could start out. You know, I learned from Phil Rogers, who who was a master at the short game, who who taught Nicholas and learned under Paul Runyon. And we basically went with chipping, I'll use a six, seven, eight, nine, or pitching wedge. And there's different ratios, just like in the full swing, the six iron is you're gonna be about one part air and about six parts roll to seven. It's gonna be about one to eight, one air, five roll and just goes from there. So obviously a longer chip you're gonna use a six or seven iron. If you're if you have a shorter chip you may use a nine iron or a pitching wedge and 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 you know and just do some little practice and, and paying attention to how far your ball's going, you start learning how to use different clubs. But no matter which club you use, the technique is the same. Basically, with this drill, you're going to lift your right foot in the air, you're going to set your weight into your left hip, and then you're going to make a, a kind of an up-and-down, very small st- motion, almost like a putting motion, and then you're going to strike the ball and just let it run to the hole. The ball is going to be only in the air for a couple of feet, and then the majority of the time it's rolling. Now, if your shot requires that the ball be in the air more than that, then you're not chipping, you're pitching or hitting a pitch and run. I've got a video on YouTube with this. Uh, There's a lot of videos out there that you'll see in shipping. But I encourage students in the short game to use different clubs. Don't fall in love with your lob wedge or your sand wedge. Those clubs are great if you're coming out of the bunker or if you need to hit a high shot. But high shots are very high risk when you're only a few yards off the green. You've got to learn how to hit different shots and different trajectories. And instead of, you know, taking one club and trying to fit it in into every shot, why not learn how to use different clubs? And with a little bit of practice, and I would encourage all those students out there who want to work on their short game, find a good uh, local PGA golf professional and go take a lesson on this part of the game. And if you do, you're, I'm guaranteeing that you're going to lower your scores because the easiest way to become a better putter is to hit the ball closer to the hole. Like Jamie was saying, if I can chip it up there six inches from the hole, I like my chances. If I'm hitting it 16 feet by the hole, then then I'm not probably going to have a chance to get up and down. So learning to chip the ball close will really save your shots.
1: Yeah, that's a great, uh, great point. And, and I like really the way you started it off is about being honest. Uh, time and time again, we see so many students, and, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not saying this to beat up on them, but... The truth of the matter is, if you can't be honest about your own game, you're never going to improve. Uh, A lot of times come out, and in their mind, maybe they think they are a pretty good putter because, yeah, you know, they they do okay, um, but they're not really consistent. Um, And and it depends on how they're measuring themselves. Maybe they're better than their friend uh, that they play with every weekend. So they say, well, I'm a pretty good putter because I I beat him all the time. Uh, uh, But that doesn't necessarily mean that they are a, a great putter. Uh, so I like that being, you know, being honest in your assessment uh, of your game, and obviously what you relay to the professional that you're working with um, is is equally important because they're going to find out real quick anyways. So if you're not being truthful, it's better to come out and say, hey, you know what, I really struggle with these areas here. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm I'm not so bad, but overall I'm kind of sketchy in these areas, and whether it be putting or chipping or some of the other areas that we're going to talk about. Uh, that's important to first and foremost to be uh, honest. I like the flamingo drill. I like that. Um, for those of you that maybe aren't as steady on your feet, um, I sometimes do a modified version. And if again for right-handed golfers, is I will just go up on my right toe. So I'll again my weight will be on the left hand side, but I won't take necessarily my foot all the way off. I'll just rest my right uh, of my right foot the toe. Uh, into the ground and that still essentially does the same thing it shifts my weight to the left side so um, but I think that's a great drill as well Jamie I'm gonna come back to you we're gonna get into a little bit of the longer uh, game uh, that he's talking about here and that's uh, the irons and of course the driver uh, he assesses himself an okay to good so he kind of gives a ratio here uh, you know he talks about the long game started out uh, incredibly well. He made the first five greens in regulation. And if your uh, putting had have come through, which of course it didn't for him, uh, then he would have been well on his way to scoring well. As the round wore on, though, there were a few shots that came off thin and a few that ended up pulling to the uh, pulling into the first few cuts of rough. Uh, well, it's uh, not necessarily a good thing. It's not, nothing a few buckets at the range can't iron out. Um, I don't know if I agree necessarily with that, but... Uh, uh, you know, taking a few buckets. But what are your thoughts here on on this one here? He's kind of giving a range of, you know, an okay to good. So he's identifying areas of his game that he was playing well, but at the same time he also recognized that there were some issues uh, along the way that prevented him from really having a good round. And if he wants to have a good round to start off the year with, identifying and working on those specific areas is paramount. So maybe touch on that with the irons, maybe talk about, uh, you know, setting yourself up with your tee shots uh, in good position uh, along that line. So what are your thoughts there, Jamie?
2: Well, I'm going to give a bit of an unconventional, maybe unexpected answer. Um, (laughs) I mean, I think he, (laughs) uh, it sounds like he should, I mean, you want to hit shots with all your clubs, right? And so he's going to want to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. He feels fairly comfortable with his irons, uh, it sounds like, with his long game. So, um, you know, he may not want to concentrate as much, which I'm not going to in the moment, on those aspects of his game. I'll tell you about in a second. Um, Which isn't to say that he shouldn't, you know, um, make some swings, hit some shots, and be sure that he's feeling good about it. But here's what I want to say. I'm going to go back to the beginning, uh, which is usually a a good thing to do, right? We call it, um, Mm -hmm. in martial arts, we call it, Keon was a basic practice. I mean musicians do it right. They go back to their scales. everybody goes back to the basics. well, he's having issues uh, by his own estimation right uh, with putting mm-hmm. in a short game, and as I said earlier, the short game is really kind of the core, the guts, the essence of the the long game, really the larger swings and so when you kind of get that right, you get your basics, you get your what I call um PGA, your posture grip alignment, your LPGA, love your posture grip alignment. It feels right. It feels good. It's comfortable. You're setting up for success. So you get all that going on well. And that core along the target line, good square, sweet spot, centered impact, and a good extension through uh, ball. So you can work on that on the short game. You're going to get a better short game, better putting, um, you know, scoring game and short shots. And it's not that hard to add you know the the rest of the swing for the longer shots but it to me especially at this stage top of the season right he's getting ready for a new season he wants to do better all around if he can really solidify and not he alone right we're talking to your mm-hmm. whole audience if uh, if people can solidify that kind of core essence uh i think that that would serve them very very well and again mentioning um you know learning to play golf from from green to tee Most golfers try to go green to uh, go T to green, which means big to small, macro to micro. It's not really the way it goes. It's micro to macro. So if we can work on that micro part of the game, I think it's well worth it. Um, And uh, I have a a little story that I I do tell my students, and it's called the banjo story. And let me just uh, say what that is. Uh, years ago, I'm not much of a musician, but, you know, a little bit. And I just loved the banjo, wanted to play, went for a lesson. Um, never saw a banjo before, right? My teacher said, my name's Phyllis, <laughs> you can call me Phil. And I'm like, uh-oh, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> she showed me, and she showed me, you know, how to hold it. You got to anchor your thumb. And then there's forward rolls, backward rolls, alternating rolls with your fingers to make that nice rolling sound of the banjo. Well, I mean, I was like trying to write with my toes, yeah? So I went home, I mm-hmm. practiced, came back, kind of da-da-da. Um, She, second lesson, that's all she showed me. Go home again, another week. That's all I do. Come back for my third lesson. That's all we did. She sent me home. I was like, hey, uh, you know, like, this is too slow. I'm bored. I don't want to pay you. She's like, go home. I'm your banjo sensei. Go home, do it for another week. Come back for my fourth lesson. Same thing. Sent me home. (laughs) I come back a month later. All I've done is my right hand, the same basic stuff. Well, fifth lesson I come back, and she shows me some cool fingering in a you know half an hour an hour. I whipped off this banjo classic. I sounded awesome, Cripple Creek, you know, but what she mm-hmm. made me do was solidify some basics. I was so good at that, my brain space was freed now I could start doing all the other stuff, so it's a model for practicing and learning, and I think it behooves golfers to take two, three, four weeks really solidify the basics and they have a lot more fun than i did for that month let me tell you if you work on your your putter your you know your chips and and uh pitch shots uh anything from 100 yards in and short pins medium pins long pins you get that going until you're bored you can't stand it you're just hitting so many good ones (laughs) and now you've got your Mm. all your movements that core of the swing so so um ingrained and now you can start putting in the longer clubs and the longer shots and specialty shots, trouble shots. So that's why I say it's a little bit of a different answer. Most people don't take that approach, but I can tell you it pays off incredibly, just incredibly. The improvement is like, you know, I thought I was going slow, and as it happened, I had a whole repertoire in two or three months. I sounded awesome. I would have never had that if I was struggling away, this, that, too many things, couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, that's a that is actually a, a really great point that you make. Um and I, I want to add very quickly to this and then John I'm going to move on to you. <laughs> you know, in in Golf My Way Jack Nicholas talked about that was a, a a video that he put, uh, had produced uh, many years ago and he talked about the main thing that he did every season. Now this was certainly uh without a doubt one of the best golfers uh, certainly men uh, golfers uh, of our time uh, with with numerous majors and many many other tournaments that he won, and he said the core principle that he did every season when he started out is he wasn 't working on any specialty shots he wasn't he worked on the core fundamentals, very similar to what you had to do with the banjo is he came out and he went through the basics, he worked on his grip, he worked on his posture, he worked on his setup, ball position, all of those things he went back to the basics. Um, and worked on those things. And that's what he did every season when he came back out on the golf course. And it, it really goes to your point, Jamie, is, you know, we can try to show them certain things, but if they haven't got the basics down, or uh, in this particular case, we're talking about the long game, if you're really struggling with your short game, whether it be putting, chipping, even pitching, it's very, very difficult to really focus as a professional with your student on the long game because they might be able to hit it pretty decent off the tee uh, or even with some of their longer irons, but they're still not going to improve their scoring over time because their short game falls suit. So I agree with that. I think you need to work, as uh, it's been pointed out tonight, is work from green back to the tee. And once you kind of master uh, your short game, you're going to find the long game is going to fall into suit. Um, great, uh, great story to share, and, and I think that really hammers that point out very well. Um, John, I want to, uh, I want to go on to you, and this is an area uh, that you know we we talk about, and there's a lot of different variations. Um, he refers to it as decision making. We've often hear of it uh, talking about the the mental game, if you will, and he gives himself a good mark on this. And, and again, I'm just sort of talking in the third person here, but. You know, he focused a lot on making sure uh, that the, the mental game was on point uh, that particular day and it paid off. Uh, looking back uh, over the round, uh, he felt that all the decisions were well, uh, he was well informed uh, when it came to the type of shot to hit uh, or different club selections he needed to make and that really solidified a big part of his success for that particular day. All in all, good day for the mental game. Um, we know that that's not always going to happen, uh, certainly good for him and that's why he gave himself a good mark that he was able to do that but this is an area that a lot of people um, spend very little time understanding. Uh, they're too busy working on all the, the other aspects of, of hitting the ball and, and so on and so forth um, but there are a lot of components. Talk about what's really involved in the mental game. What does it really mean when we talk about the mental game first and foremost and then what are your thoughts to help a player that maybe struggles in this area? What are some tips that maybe you uh, use with some of your students?
3: Well, Ted, I'm, I love talking about this part of the game. Uh, when As you were at, going into it, I wrote down uh, a few things that, real briefly that, that I talked to w- with all my students when referring to the mental game. And it starts with the pre-shot routine. That's the first thing. Uh, when you go out on the golf course, you have to have a choreographed routine that you do every single time, just like a foul shooter uh, in basketball. Michael Jordan, I can see him shooting the basketball in college, and he did it the same way in the NBA. Uh, the, the, the routine that he went did every single time was the same. So, you know, when I talk about routine with my students, it's, you know, the first thing, it starts with picking a target. You have to have a target. And then you, uh, you want to see your shot. You want to have a visual of what you're trying to make the golf ball do, whether you're going to hit a draw or a fade or whatever your natural tendencies are. The second thing that um, you want to do is feel the shot. You want to rehearse your swing. So you want to make a, several practice swings in the short game. You'll make many practice swings. With your driver, you really only need one or two practice swings. You don't need to make eight or nine practice swings with a driver. Then you're going to set up to the ball, having a routine that, I've, that I work with where you're measuring yourself to the ball. Every club is a different length. You've got to get your ball position. You've got to get your distance from the ball, your posture, all that stuff. So the mechanical aspects of actually setting up to the golf ball is part of your routine. And then you look back at your target. You never lose sight of your target. Jordan Spieth will look at his target numerous times before hitting the ball. And then the last thing that you want to do is, you know, go ahead and and I try to teach my students to swing with a count, where it's a one-two, where they have a rhythm to it. Um, But the the last thing is trusting all the above. Trust everything that you do. So you see it, you feel it, you do it, and you trust it. If you listen to Rotella, you read any of his books, that's what he's going to talk about. I also talk about committing to a shot. I, I it's funny. A lot of times I'll go out and do playing lessons with teenagers. They'll they'll have a shot that is a high-risk shot. They'll be behind some trees, and they will say, what are you trying to do here? And they'll tell me. And a lot of times, I will let them hit the shot. And a lot of times, they'll pull it off because they're committed to it. Now, is that the smartest play, way to play golf? No. But I would rather someone commit and say, I'm going to hit it right through those trees, than stand over the ball and have no commitment, have no idea what they're trying to do. And so it's it's always interesting when you're talking with players. Some players are naturally high-risk players, like a Phil Mickelson, Arnold Palmer. They love to take risks. Or Nicholas and, and uh, Tiger were more methodical players. They were more high percentage players uh so uh, you know your personality and your and and your lifestyle and i always say hey it's your it's your golf ball and you're the coach and you're the general manager eventually you're going to make the decision out there on the course but let's talk through the pros and the cons of this and and then i always say play the shot that you know you can hit play the shot you know that you can hit don't play a shot around the greens that you saw uh, a tour player play on TV. If you know you can't hit it, if you can't hit a flop shot over a bunker, then try to figure out another way. Uh, just go ahead and maybe accept the fact that, hey, right now I don't know how to hit that shot. So I'm going to play a really safe way here. I'm going to get off of this hole with minimal damage. And then after this round of golf, I'm going to go to my pro and I'm going to, I'm going to have him or her teach me how to hit this shot. So those are some things. If you're thinking properly, uh, and and I've always said, I may not be able to hit every shot I want to hit, but there's no reason why when I go out on the golf course, I can't think properly. There's no reason why I can't have a mental plan uh, of, okay, this is the way I'm going to approach this hole. This is And then now, okay, let's say I'm going to approach this hole and I'm going to hit it. You know hopefully down the center of the fairway and let's say i hit it over in the water okay i've hit it in the water i've got to accept that i've got to go now take my penalty take my drop but once i do that okay now i've got to get back and and all right what is my plan from here you know i've I've made a mistake but we're going to minimize the damage we're going to get away hit with the bogey and go to the next hole and then you go from there and and so playing it shot by shot committing to your shot, having a plan, you know, for each hole that you play on your golf course. And, and you should have an overall idea before you play of how you're going to approach each hole. And obviously it changes, you know, conditions and wind and things like that can change your plan. But th- those, that's so important. If you go out there and just try to wing it and try to hit shots that you saw on TV or that maybe better players are hitting that you can't hit, you're really going to struggle in this game. Yeah, and
1: that's uh, some great points. Thank you for that. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times um, the preparation before a round, even if you're playing, uh, you know, if you're a member at a club and you're playing uh, this course fairly regularly, a lot of people think, well, I know how to play this course and I don't really need to prepare. I just need to go out there and, uh, you know, I'm struggling in certain games. But that's not necessarily true. I mean, even the professionals, uh Week in, week out, many times, especially those that have been on tour for a while, certainly have familiarity with some of the cores that they've played for many, many years, um, that the events are held the same, like Augusta National, uh, to give you an example, where they play the Masters every year. Uh, If you think that those guys show up and don't come in there with any sort of preparation, I mean, Mickelson has been famously known for showing up the week before uh, and going out there and and playing some practice rounds out there, uh, as have some other players over the years as well. Um, the reason they're doing that is because, as you pointed out, John, circumstances change. weather changed uh, last year because of the pandemic. The masters was moved into November, so it was an entirely different time of year. The wind was uh, prevailing out of a different direction than it normally would in April. Um, so there's a lot of factors that can be involved. so just because you're familiar with a course doesn't mean that you shouldn't be prepared. so I think that's a great point that you raise is uh, you know along with some of the other ones, is that you know preparing for that round. Uh, gets you mentally uh, in tune with what needs to happen. Jamie, there's another component um, that sort of goes hand-in-hand hand with this, and that is uh, emotional consistency. Uh, this gentleman here in, in question uh, also rates himself pretty good here, which, uh, again, I would think if his mental game is, has been on, uh, on uh, spot-on for that round, that his emotional consistency or emotional uh, would be good as well. And he talks about here, he says, you know, as you've grown up, uh, this has been something that he's always uh, had to work on. It was uh, so easy for him to lose uh, his temper as a kid and let the round snowball out of control. Uh, he, he identifies that, you know, with age and maturity, that uh, he's finally starting to uh, it's starting to help, uh, help. And and today he he you know uh, was able to keep his round together and and uh, stay in a pretty optimal mental state. Um, so you know not being too high after a good shot and not being too low after a bad one. So if we want to start the year out positive um, and wanting to sort of build on that and move forward, what do we need to do to make sure that's in check?
2: These are such great questions, Uh, Ted. You do your preparation after these, and it's great. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Having done your homework. (laughs) Yeah. So um, a couple things I would say. The first is... In terms of understanding kind of emotional consistency, I think uh, it's really behooves golfers to understand stress and the stress Mm -hmm. response. Um, So what do I mean? You know, we feel pressure on the golf course, right? I mean, obviously in competition uh, or if there's some money riding on it, people are watching, that sort of thing. We tend to stress ourselves, right? We're in competition with ourselves. How am I doing? Am I getting better? Um, it, uh, this also goes into what you're asking, which is, oh, my God, you know what? My memories. My memories are like, oh, man, I just, uh, my T shots are terrible. You know, I keep going off uh, into the rough or I'm, uh, you know, I, I just can't get a, an iron to the green or I can't get out of the bunk or whatever it is. So all that is basically mental clutter, and it's stress. It it, it triggers the stress response in us. So understanding stress is to realize that just two main things. We have stress biochemistry, which is adrenaline, (laughs) speed on the street, yeah, So we have adrenaline and cortisol and then our brain function moves from our prefrontal cortex where we have pretty clear thinking and pretty decent decision making to our limbic lizard brain, which is very just, you know, quick reactive. And once those things get going or flooded with that, that's when we are basically what I term under the influence. Yeah, (laughs) we're under the influence Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, I I, I always say uh, to leaders, I say we should give out LUIs, leading under the influence the parents PUIs parenting under the influence and the golfers GUIs golfing under the influence so we need to you know manage that and uh, the ways i know that are the best you know we breathe we get centered we get grounded you know things like that we have a routine so those really help us to bring to, to calm and to change that uh, biochemistry to move us, um, you know, back into our um, parasympathetic, our sympathetic nervous system. So, you know, just understanding those basics so that we know how to recognize when we're under the influence and then how to get back to a more uh, centered, balanced, neutral, clear place. That's, that's the first thing. And then uh, the other is, as I was um, kind of alluding to, is to look at your self-talk look at your fears, look at your memories, you know, and so are you setting yourself up to expect that you're going to do poorly or to expect that you're going to trigger yourself into that stress response because you get in a bunker and you say, oh my God, I've, I've never played good shots or last year. Do you remember when I did that? I remember how mm-hmm. I yanked it off the tee, you know, those kinds of things. So we have to learn how to do some mental uh, releasing. I actually teach a whole release technique, but there are you know different ways that we can uh, work with those sort of uh, memories of uh, particularly the bad you know memories, the bad shots we had, or the the areas of our game where we uh, we failed. You know, I'm I'm always missing my two footers or whatever it is. You know, I'm three. Uh, I can't get a lag putt close, and so things like that, so that we can change those um, those mental thoughts that trigger us into. Um, inner inwardly stressful states, and we need to clear. We kind of it's like kind of clearing off your hard drive, right? <laughs> you can't have all these uh, viruses and bugs in there, and that's what a lot of our past experiences. So, especially now, you know, again we're the, mm-hmm. at the beginning of a, a new year, as you, a new season, as you say. We're coming out of this very strange last year. I like to feel in general, like we're kind of at the start of the 2020s still, right? It's still beginning in 2021, and we can roar. We can have, uh, you know, a great new decade ahead. So it's important that we kind of clean off, clean out some of those, um, you know, kind of those, those memories and beliefs that we have that don't need to be that way. So it's partly a mental game, mental-emotional game in that sense, and then, of course, practice, the physical practice so that, You know, you feel confident in the bunker or whatever that area issue we've been talking about of your game needs your attention. And you know it needs your attention.
1: Yeah, that's a great, great point. Um, You know, I did an experiment several years ago, and I've actually mentioned something similar uh, on the shows in the past. And I equate it to going to the airport, and, you know, we all bring our baggage to the airport. Well, there's a reason for that. We're going on a trip, so we need to bring our, our luggage with or our baggage with us. Uh, but on the golf course, it's a little bit different. The only bag you need is the one that contains your clubs. You don't need to bring, you know, poor rounds or bad shots from the past. So I did a little experiment several years back, and I had a, a small group that I was working with at the time. And I said, well, here's what I want you to do for the next lesson. I want you to bring your golf bag, of course, and I want you to bring two pieces of luggage. You don't have to put anything in it, just two empty bags of luggage and I want you to bring them to the lesson tee. And as you would expect, um, many struggled because some of them tried to bring them all at once and others had to go back to their car and get the others. And the point was that I wanted to show them that, and I wrote some things on, their, on a little sticky note and I put it on their golf bag. And I, as an example, bad shots or uh, bad rounds or whatever the case may be. And I wanted to show them that this is what a lot of golfers do is they carry this baggage around from hole to hole to hole. And I wanted them to understand how difficult that is and that you're never going to be a better golfer as long as you do that. So I said, just imagine that you're going on a short trip and you only need the one bag, and that's the bag that holds your clubs. Now, it might seem, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Jamie, a little bit unorthodox approach, but it was to drive a message home that we need to clear our minds. And it doesn't matter what happened yesterday, it doesn't even matter what happened on the last hole. We're in the moment, we're focusing on the shot at hand because that's the only one that counts. You can't do over the one that happened before and you can't do the one that's going to happen uh, in future, you can only do the one that's now. So the purpose of that little experiment, if you will, was to get them to focus on the task at hand and not dwell or think about things that happened uh, already that they cannot change. the last point that I want to bring up before we sort of wrap up, uh, and, and really you can both uh, certainly, uh, John, I'll start with you, but, and that is um, fun. A lot of people go out there uh, with some of the things that we've talked about, uh, again, whether it's bringing uh, some of the baggage with them or you know, knowing that they're not going to play well or not being properly prepared, um, forget to go out there that they're out there to have fun. Uh, in this particular case, he, you know, even though he had some struggles in the beginning, we talked about with the putting and chipping was a little bit sparse at times. He gave himself, as far as fun, an overall uh, good rating. And the reason why he he uh, sums up in one line is he said, "Why come out if you're not going to have a good time?" And I think that says it all. Touch on that a little bit, John, and then Jamie, I'm going to let you throw some some thoughts in there as well, but. I mean, that's what we're really there for. We're out there to have a good time, right?
3: Exactly. Um, I've always said, um, you know, and we all tend to have – we all have more fun when we play well. That's just the reality of this game. And um, and and unfortunately, um, you know, how are you going to play well if you go in with a bad attitude, if you bring in your luggage like the great example you just gave? Um, it's very difficult to do. One of the things that I uh, – one of the trends I think we've all seen in the business lately – is top golf. I mean top golf has put fun back into golf. It's put social aspects back into golf. And I think for a lot of people out there who are maybe on the fence about whether to ever play the game or uh looking for a way to maybe introduce their wife or introduce their kids uh to to the to the game. Um it, that's a great way to to kind of uh, you know jump in the the shallow end and make it kind of fun. There's also been some, some things where, you know, when I was a kid, the most fun that I ever had playing golf was on a par three golf course. And the reason mm-hmm. was because I stood there on every hole and I said, I got a chance to make a hole in one. You know, I had nine mm-hmm. or 18 opportunities to, to, have, to have a hole in one. At, um, you know, putt-putt, that was another great, I had great memories as a kid going to putt-putt. Again, these are things that you're doing that are related to golf, that put the fun back into golf. But obviously it ultimately comes down to when you go on the real course, whether it's nine or 18 holes and don't think that you always have to play 18 holes. I know for a lot of people, time is a valuable commodity. There is nothing wrong with playing nine holes and, and say, and saying to your friends, even if they they keep playing say, Hey, I can only play nine. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. You're not, you're not dis you know, they understand. And um, you know, just that's a, that's another thing I encourage people to do who, who deal with time constraints, but, but it, ultimately it, it comes to hitting better shots and having fun. And that's the, that's the most satisfaction I get out of, out of lesson series. And, and I encourage people um, kind of like Jamie talked about learning the banjo. She could not learn the banjo in one day. It would have been impossible or one lesson, so a series of lessons with a good qualified instructor, someone that you like, someone that you have a good connection with, do some research, word of mouth. I, I think ultimately, hitting better shots, seeing the ball go you know farther, or seeing the ball in the short game go where you want it to go, or learning how to put a new shot into your game. I think those are great examples of, of you know goals that that can put the fun back into the game. And then when you go out there on the golf course, remember it is a game. So I think it's great to have games within a game, you know, whether mm-hmm. you're playing, uh, I used to love, we would play a round robin. We have a foursome and I would play the first six holes with one of the, one of the, uh, my playing partners. And then the next six holes I would play with another. And then the next six, last six holes I would play with the, the other. And that was just a fun way to have team atmosphere. I, I thought I used to have so much fun doing that. So Games within the games. There's all kind of gambling games out there. You don't have to bet high dollars. Don't don't get in games that are going to that are going to stress you out. You know, just go out there and make it fun. It could be for a uh, afternoon or uh, adult beverage or whatever after the round. It could be real simple stuff. You don't have to get into high dollar games uh, because you certainly don't want to stress yourself out. But th- those are examples I think of when I think of having fun on the golf course.
1: Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more.
3: And, and Jamie, I, I know John covered a lot of things, but uh,
1: you know I I think that there is uh, certainly some room for for uh, some additional comments. But um, you know a lot of folks get out there and they forget really why they're there. And I know that especially a lot of new golfers with this you know pandemic, there were a lot of new golfers out last year, first time that they ever picked up a golf club, really didn't know a lot about the game. Uh, I'm sure there were many that were uh, a little anxious because they weren't sure what to do and, and, and where to go and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and they forget the reason that, Hey, you know, I, I want to get out there. I'm looking for something to do something different and um, you know, maybe don't necessarily need to get caught up in all the challenges right away. Um, what are your thoughts uh, about having, get out there and having some fun?
2: Well, I- you know, I, there, there's actually science behind it, <laughs> okay, if that helps anybody. Uh, sometimes it's like, oh, if I'm just going to have fun, it's like it trivializes it or uh, we're not really trying to play our best or really improve. But the truth is that having fun is is being uh, uh, proven to be the way to go, to get there. So what do I mean by that? Um, that uh, in terms of emotional intelligence, we basically have four big uh, four big emotions. This is a very crash course, but three of them rhyme, sad, mad, and glad word. Yeah, the four letter F word, which is fear. So, you know, we don't really play our best, and it's a measurably lower frequency, vibrational frequency, um, in terms of our thinking and our emotions, um, when we are in, when we're sad, we're bummed, when we're mad, we're pissed, when we're afraid, we're anxious, we're nervous, we're shaking, compared to when we're glad. You know, glad we have a natural energy, we feel positive, we feel powerful, we feel like we can do. And so we really do better when we're happy and we're happy when we're having fun, of course. Um, uh, with leaders, actually, I teach them there's three H's that go with peak performance. One is health, and we are having more fun when we're more able, yeah, and we feel better. Uh, health, harmony. When things are working as a harmonious whole, we're not kind of in pieces and the swing's in pieces and, you know, our mind's saying one thing, our emotions are saying another, our body's doing something else. So harmony. And then the other is H is happiness. And, again, the happy thing, fun. Um, Stanford researchers have been doing projects for the last couple decades on the science of happiness. So, um, you know, fun, we just feel better, we're more creative, we have a, a flow and an overflow of energy. Um, so it's you know really important that we're having fun and you know I started to call tools which we always talk about these are tools right here's tools to use mm-hmm. and whether it's in business or call. I started calling tools toys and so what I mean by that is all these things that you know try them out be curious be like a kid um, see how they work try them again so now see how it works you know so if we go out with that attitude that we're trying things out and we're curious um, and you know, we're not uh, real hard on ourselves. Uh, there's room for for experimentation and for, yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Okay, let that go, forgive yourself, move on, that, um, you know, we can have fun. And if you think about it, a lot it was made last week, the last couple of weeks of Lee Westwood, um, mm-hmm. who, you know, unfortunately, this came up short, barely, last <laughs> turns. <That's alternatives>, right? <laughs> Excuse me. But, uh, he's 47 years old, and he's having a complete resurgence in his career. And uh, all the golf announcers, all, everybody's talking about, he's having fun. And he himself talks about how he was too serious. He stopped having fun in his 30s, and mm-hmm. he went down from world one, number one. Now he's resurging, at, and it's not about his age, right? His, uh, his really cool fiance on the bag. And not because she knows the most about golf, but because she keeps him, you know, in a good mood. And mm-hmm. she keeps him having fun out there. Um, <coughs> um, I also think about Phil Mickelson. If you remember the back nine of the first Masters he won, that was mm-hmm. the first time I really saw him happy, smiling. His mood was lighter. He was swinging in a more relaxed way. He was having fun. And then he got to have the ultimate fun of finally winning, right? But he right. won. He didn't get happy because he won. He was happy, and that helped him win. It,
1: it, you know, it's interesting. I just want to add one more final thing about that. It, it's interesting, um, you know, that, that you both say that because, you know, over the last several years um, on the Women of Golf, which, of course, is the show that uh, I do with Cindy that airs Tuesday mornings, by the way, on the same network. Um, we interview uh, the winners from the Symmetra Tour, and uh, not last season. Of course, it was a little bit shorter season because of uh, the pandemic. But the previous year, we had a number of young ladies who came on. Uh, some who had been, you know, playing for a little while. Some that were, uh, you know, fairly new to the tour. And a number of them had said something very similar. Whereas they, they kind of weren't really having fun. I mean, they they loved the competition. They loved being out there. But they were too serious and. Um, The particular group I'm thinking of, there was about four of them, I believe, uh, if memory serves me correct, where they had not won yet. And they said finally there sort of came a revelation, if you will, that they weren't going to – certainly they were going to take their game serious. I don't mean to suggest that they wouldn't. uh, But they were going to go out there and just have a good time and have fun and enjoy themselves and smell the roses, as they say. Uh, And what was really interesting is each and every one of them went on to win the following week. And I found that really interesting because again, even though they were playing certainly among uh, with some of the other uh, very very talented young ladies on the Sumetra um, they were really having a tough time struggling and their stats were good and you know they were hitting the ball well, but they just mentally were not there um and they couldn't understand why and then when they sort of recognized that hey you know maybe i'm I'm trying too hard. Maybe I'm focusing too hard and I'm not just out there having fun. Uh, And a couple of them actually even mentioned to the point that had been out for a little while on on tour and and playing professional golf were actually considering packing it in uh, because of that, because they just weren't really enjoying it. The the grind was just too hard. They were putting too much pressure on themselves and they weren't having fun. And that word creeped up uh, in every one of those conversations. And uh, it was just very, very interesting. Um, so I'm going to wrap this up, and then I'm going to give each of you a, a chance to, uh, uh, to um, let everybody know how they can reach out to you. So uh, his final consensus, if you will, as he assessed uh, his, his uh, round, his first round of the year, if you will, uh, you know, he, he did some things uh, well, uh, but there were definitely things to improve on. Uh, and you know, his approach was spending a few uh, you know, hours, uh, extra hours around the practice screen uh, was going to help with his short game. Uh, helping it to get back on track uh, and, um, you know, hitting a few go- uh, you know balls on the range. His long game was a little bit more solid, so uh, that was going to help uh, with his consistency. Uh, now, he also goes on to say that, you know, the first round isn't a make-or-break point of the season, uh, but we certainly all want to start the year off on a good note. So in his opinion, spending time, that quality time on the range and especially around the green, with wedges and putter, are definitely a must. Um, John, a, a quick point or two on that, and uh, Jamie, and then we got to wrap up.
3: Well, there's no doubt that that you've got to start out around the greens if you're going to lower your scores. If you truly want to lower your scores and and uh, you know in the game, that's where you've got to start. So, 35 yards and in. Uh, you know, Jamie made some great points about how Tiger started out from the hole and working the way back. I think that that's, that's ultimately, you know, what you want to be focusing on, if, if you, you know, to get your, your game um, wh- where you can um, see the improvement that you're looking for. The mm-hmm. other thing is is transitioning that short game into the full swing is so critical. And, you um, know, I, I like what Jamie was saying on that as well because the the, the sequence of the short game uh, especially the pitch shot and the full swing are the same. So hitting the smaller shots, you get a, the benefit of working on your full swing, and you also get the benefit of lowering your scores.
1: Great points. Thank you, John. Uh, Jamie, what about yourself? Uh, you know, uh, any comments or thoughts on his uh, assessment of, of, his, of his game, and uh, what do you think as far as uh, those wanting to move forward uh, for their first round this season? What, what advice would you have in closing?
2: Yeah, you know, hit on a lot of good points. An honest assessment of where you're at. I think um a fresh look at your why for this this season for for right here and now. Um, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? What would you like to improve? Well what part of your game are you enjoying? What part would you like to enjoy more? <clears throat> uh, finding ways to make practicing fun because we all need to practice. Um, and, uh, and, to you know, make it doable. there's so many things we didn't get to talk about, but, you know, in terms of hiking and practice at home, uh, <clears throat> we shouldn't, and this was pre-pandemic for me, we shouldn't be dependent on having to get to the range or the golf course. But, you know, I think, um, you know, I'm looking at, at all those aspects, and I would say, as we've been talking about prioritizing fun in the sense of having a good time, you know, being sure that, you know, golf should be a happy place for you, not just a stressful place. Uh, and I really loved what you said, John, didn't really quite thought of playing par three as, oh, my God, this is so much fun because I could get a hole-in-one on, on every shot, you know, every <laughs> hole. That right. sounds like a lot of fun to me. I haven't really – I've always loved par threes, but um, what, a, what a great way to think about it. And so, you know, setting ourselves up for some success. And um, I, I'll share one other thing. I had a student once. She was know, 65, 70 years old. We're out on the golf course, and she hit some good shots, so a lot of good shots. She was a good player, shot in the 80s, and she hit some bad shots. No matter what the shot was, she looked at me and she said, you know, I forgive myself every shot, and I thought that was just really wonderful, even the good ones, right? <clears throat> Uh, because right. when we forgive, we're 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 clear, we're ready to move on. And so the good ones, the bad ones, and kind of keep yourself in that nice zone where you're you're released, you're free, you're <clears throat> you're present for the next one, and you're enjoying yourself. So and, and you know it's kind of a fun thing. I forgive myself every shot. So I kind of use that sometimes as a mantra with myself or with my students. I think it's a really good one to to keep us in a really positive frame, uh, you know, frame of mind <clears throat> and a good mood and remembering. We call it the golf game, and people forget that right it It is a game, and the games within the games that John talked about setting up your practice like that, I think we can really you know, everybody can set themselves up for a greatness season
1: yeah uh an excellent point, and I think that is a a great little mantra to to have and i I think people have to understand that that once the club face makes contact with the ball. There is absolutely nothing that you can do to change the shot that's about to happen. So you have to live with it. You have to move on. You adapt and you adjust accordingly if you need to uh, do things. And, uh, you know, y- y- forgiving yourself for, for each shot, I think that's a great, as I said, uh, Jamie, that's a great little mantra, and, and I think that we could all learn from that. All right, John, very quickly, um, how can the folks, if they want to reach out to you, uh, what's the best way to do that? Any uh, uh, Anything else that you want to uh, share? And then, Jamie, I'll let you go.
3: Well, first of all, Ted, thank you again for having um, us on the show tonight. And, Jamie, I really enjoyed uh, our time uh, together tonight. I thought the discussion was really interesting. I had a lot of fun uh, with it. Um, If you're in the uh, Columbus, Ohio area, uh, feel free to reach out to me, and there's a lot of different ways you can. Um, I'm available to teach um, here in Columbus, or I'm available to come Uh, to your facility if that's something you desire. You can reach me uh, on Facebook uh, under John Decker Golf Instruction, and my first name is spelled J-O-N, so John Decker Golf Instruction. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. I have almost uh, 300 videos on YouTube uh, with uh, the flamingo drill and all the drills that I've done um, that are on there. So I invite you to subscribe to that. It's a great way to follow up with some of the tips we've talked about. I'm also, as you know, uh, Ted, you've given me the opportunity to uh, be a senior editor with Golf Tips Magazine, and if you want to follow along uh, every issue of uh, Fairways to Heaven and also some of the golf uh, videos and golf articles I have in there. Um, and then I'm uh, a published author with my book, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game. Uh, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and & Noble, and Walmart.com. So um I'm also available to come and do public speaking if, if that's something that's hopefully we will get back, the country will get back to where we can gather again and do those types of events. So I'm looking forward to that as well. But again, thank you, Ted, for all that you do for all of us and giving us a platform uh, to um, talk about this great game that we all love and want to thank you again.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And, and uh, all I can say is I have fun, doing what I do. So that makes it that much easier. Jamie, uh, I know that uh, you want to share uh, how they can get in touch with you. And then I know you have something uh, that you want to, special that you want to share tonight before we go.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you both. This uh, was definitely fun and a great first coach's corner. So we're starting off the season. Well, um, yeah, people can reach me at, through my website, which is ki K I a I. Golf.com. It's a combination of Aikido and um, and golf. You can also get there through the Centered Way. The Same website. And uh, you know, sign up there, get my newsletter, email me. Uh, my phone number is 492 golf. I always tell people that I actually answer the phone. I like to talk, as we can tell. I'm a speaker. I do a lot of corporate uh, work as well. Uh, virtual trainings. Uh, I have created g- virtual golf mastery schools putting together some really exciting new business golf programs. So um, lots of possibilities and ways to connect. Um, And the event I'd like to mention is coming up this Sunday, March 21st, and it's the Sunday TEA. It's an annual event that we're doing virtually this year um, for the Marilyn Smith uh, Legacy Founder and LPGA Founders Legacy Foundation. Marilyn was one of the 13 founders of the LPGA. She passed away a couple of years ago and has always conducted a tournament. We have a scholarship fund that has already raised over a million dollars. We've given uh, scholarships to help young women go to college, uh, you know, golfers and affect their lives. And uh, obviously they're golf games, but their entire careers and lives. So um, we've got guests, uh, including Shirley Spork, uh, one of only two of the 13 LPGA founders still alive. She's been on the show, a good friend of mine. Uh, Dr. Renee Powell, who's amazing. Sandra mm-hmm. Post, Nancy Lopez, um, some LPGA tour greats. Uh, scholarship recipient, uh, the uh, the CEO of the Symmetra Tour. So we've got great guests, Ron Syrak and Greg Offwriter will be doing some of the interviewing. We're excited about it. People can go to www.virtualsundaytea.eventbrite.com. And it costs $13, which surely will. Uh, clue us in as to the magic of the number 13. So uh, we hope that people will come. It's going to be a great day. And it's uh, 1 to 3 p.m. Pacific time, so 4 to 6 p.m. East Coast time this Sunday.
1: Perfect. Well, guys, as always, thank you very, very much for always bringing your best to the program. I, I appreciate your thoughts and input uh, on this panel discussion. And thank you for, um, again, always doing what you guys do because uh, you make me look, uh, look great every time you come on. So um, I'm always happy about that. So I'll see you guys next time on uh, uh, the next time that you guys are on uh, Coach's Corner Panel. But thank you and have a great weekend. And uh, good luck this uh, weekend, Jamie, with, uh, with the event. I uh, hope it uh, raises a lot of money. It's for a great cause. And Marilyn Smith was uh, definitely uh, one of the, the bright, shining stars uh, in the LPGA. So thank you, guys.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Dad. Thank you both. Okay. Thank
1: you. Happy 221. All right. That was uh, John Decker and Jamie Leno-Zimron on the Coach's Corner panel. All right. Before I bring out tonight's special guest, a quick word from Golf Tips.
0: The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today.
1: All right, and I uh, just want to remind everybody that the latest issue, the May-June issue, will be coming to newsstands on April 20th. And of course, that features on the cover, coincidentally enough, uh, Nancy Lopez is going to be on the featured cover uh, for that particular issue. And there's a great Q&A that uh, I put together uh, as its editor. Uh, on the inside, and Nancy, of course, was very generous in in uh, responding and, and giving uh, the answers to some of those questions. So uh, make sure you check it out. Or if you don't want to wait and you want to get uh, uh, all of the other issues as well, uh, if you go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe, you'll get uh, all six issues. It's a bi monthly magazine uh, for fourteen ninety seven for the print version and eight ninety seven for the digital only version. Uh, You can go to, again, golftipsmag.com. All right, I'm very uh, excited to have my very special guest this evening, Brian Woodward. He is the managing director at the Horseshoe Bay Resort in Texas, uh, and he's uh, been helping to build a distinctive legacy at Horseshoe uh, Bay Resort as the dynamic central Texas property uh, evolves from a beloved regional draw to a national-renowned travel destination. As its managing director of the uh, tropically-adorned 7,000-acre resort, uh, Brian is guiding Horseshoe Bay to new heights in room revenues, group sales, and he expects the property's recent 100 million plus renovation to bring new visitors from far and wide. So, please welcome to the show my very special guest this evening, Brian Woodward. Good All evening, right. Brian. Welcome. Good, good evening and welcome.
4: Good evening. How are you? Thanks for having me on.
1: Uh, it's my my pleasure um before we get into the resort itself i always like to especially when i have uh, a new guest on the show i like to give them uh, an opportunity to talk a little bit about themselves about their background um and how it sort of pertains to golf um obviously you're in the the golf industry uh by way of of what you're doing now but um sure why golf and what piqued your interest in the game
4: yeah the uh, great question uh you know i grew up playing uh uh, you know as a, a kid uh, in, in in junior tournaments when I was very young and, and did that for quite some time and uh, in Texas in the Dallas Fort Worth area so that's where I first you know fell in love with the game that we all love and talk about so much and uh, uh, you know then uh, as I got older I, I got into tennis and actually played uh, in college uh, for a while um, you know, uh, college experience went to graduate school and, uh, uh, at Arizona State University and there did, uh, some sports broadcasting where I eventually got a job, uh, in sports. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and then that just kind of blossomed into covering, uh, you know, things like the Phoenix Open and, uh, you know, being there when, uh, Tiger hit that hole in one on the, on the mm-hmm. 16th hole and, and uh, you know, and then that just transpired into getting more into marketing, um, which uh, started off with uh, Dell Web uh, Corporation and some of their master plan communities that all featured golf. And then that involved evolved into more golf marketing at various uh, resorts around the country, where I've uh, done everything and, and been an asset manager for a variety of, of resort products and. Uh, Uh, And then here I am, uh, you know, in Texas where I've been for for quite some time now. So, you know, I always loved the game, played it as a kid, play it recreationally now and uh, Mm -hmm. been in the industry for the last 25 years and and, uh, really couldn't imagine doing anything else. Yeah, you know, everybody when they think of
1: golf um, that is not maybe as familiar with the game, you know, a lot of the the marketing and so forth that we see is typically – centered around the tours and, and professional golf. So, you know, for a lot of people, or maybe the country club experience, and a lot of folks don't realize there are so many other things available in golf, um, such as a career like what you have at this point. I mean, obviously, you played some junior golf along the way but, uh, and actually played the game, uh, but you've settled into a nice career with marketing and promotions and, and other aspects of, of golf and wound up at a, at a top-quality uh, resort uh, in Texas, doing something that you love around a game that you obviously enjoy and love. So I want to ask you um, because again typically when we think of uh, you know great golf of course I'm in the state of Florida so we think of Florida there's lots of great courses. We think of Myrtle Beach you know and and even California Um, but Texas obviously we know from watching years over the PGA Tour uh, that there are a lot of great courses but we don't really think of it uh, or simply in the past haven't thought of it as a a top uh, golfing destination if you will. Um, but you're starting to you know, see more and more of that, not just from within the state of Texas and neighboring states, uh, but you're seeing a lot of bookings coming in from areas uh, you know, up north in Canada, Chicago, and even from Europe. So why do you think Texas has suddenly become more appealing as a golf destination? What's been happening uh, over the last little while that's, that sort of focuses everybody's eyes in, in uh, the heart of Texas?
4: Yeah, well, I think it's twofold. And you mentioned it, you know, (laughs) if you work enough markets around, you kind of know the the destinations. Uh, You know, like you said, Florida, Myrtle Beach, Arizona. And then if you're up in the northern countries, you kind of have your trajectory that you would normally do. And, uh, you know, and and for Texas, it's such a, a diverse state from a standpoint of, uh, you know like Austin and the areas known for live music. We've got the Gulf Coast We've got you know big cities with big experiences So golf really hasn't been uh, the forefront from a state tourism uh, uh, You know primary focus because uh, Maybe it hasn't had to be uh, whereas Florida is just so inundated with golf courses in Arizona and and even places like Michigan Where golf may lead from a tourism standpoint in Texas it hasn't um, but it's changing, and I think a couple of reasons for that. One, uh, you mentioned it, some of the exposure from the tournaments, that's more prevalent now than ever before. Uh, you know, often getting the Dell match play, Houston Open, Colonial, the Byron mm. Nelson, um, and then twofold, the PGA uh, corporate headquarters making the announcement to move to Texas to be in a more centrally located environment. I think that mm-hmm. has a lot to do with with the blossoming of uh, Texas' uh, notoriety and what they're building up there in, in Frisco. Uh, and then also I think, you know, we've had a little bit to do with that. And I say that from a standpoint of uh, we were the Horseshoe Bay Resort. We worked very hard to host uh, the largest golf tourism conference that's ever been hosted in the state of Texas. We did that. Uh, two years ago with IAGSO and that conference has always been held at, at a Pinehurst or PGA West or a a Myrtle Beach and, and it came to Texas for the first time and was actually the uh, largest attended uh, North American conference that that organization's ever had. So we're, we're very proud of that. And uh, I think those kinds of things where you're getting more, uh, uh, travel agents and more wholesalers that do nothing but sell golf vacations two people up in New York and Michigan, Chicago. Uh, Now Horseshoe Bay Resort is on that radar and, and Texas as a whole. And I'm just starting to, with all those elements, I just think you're starting to see more traffic this way.
1: What do you think, Brian, does it take specifically for a resort like Horseshoe? To stand out from some of its competitors, um, you know. Obviously, you know, as you just mentioned, there's a lot of uh, great tournaments that have been put through the PGA that have uh, taken sure. place in Texas. So that, that's that sort of turned the eyes on Texas to say, hey, you know what? Uh, there's some great golf happening here. What do you do? What do you think specifically uh, that Horseshoe does to really make it stand out? Yeah.
4: Well, golf's so competitive. I mean. You know, Horseshoe Bay Resort, you know, we're, we're, uh, you know, award-winning golf resort. I, I, I'd put us up against any of the top names, uh, out there across the, across the U.S. Um, but, you know, it hasn't been, it, it doesn't host the PGA tournament. It doesn't have some of those other accolades that some of these, uh, top destination resorts do. But for us, we continue, we've just grown exponentially over the last four or five, uh, six, eight years and uh you know it's, it's experience based because there's there's great world-class golf in in all states basically you can go find great mm-hmm. great golf but what what's the experience going to be uh that is golf plus plus? and for us you know we know we have a great golf product we've got three robert trent jones senior uh golf courses uh, that you know when he uh you know developed them and designed them you know he said he ranked it among the best in the world and we believe that's true today um, but when you get off the golf course, what does that experience look like? And fortunately for our destination, we have so much right around property. Uh, you know, we're on a lake, so a lot of our activities when you're not on the course is, is about getting out on ski boats, pontoon boats, renting jet skis and paddle boards. Um, you know we have great, unbelievable culinary experiences here. We love barbecue in Texas, and we feature it here in mm-hmm. one of our restaurants. And everyone w- loves the brisket; it's like one of the must-haves when you're here. Um, in Texas, we have a in the hill country where we're located, we have a very burgeoning uh, a wine region. So around Horseshoe Bay Resort, there's 30 wineries. So the the guys, 16 guys, may go out and hit and play golf where there significant others may hop on one of our buses and go hit some of the area wineries and make a day trip of it. <laughs> so, you know, the experiences we have to offer separate us from our competitors based on, on the variety of experiences you can have. I mean, uh, we do a lot of festivals and events throughout yeah. the year because we're such a big, uh, on my intro, you mentioned 7,000 acres, and uh, we've mm-hmm. developed a lot of that, but a lot of it isn't. So we'll have and we've got huge tracts of land, and we have like an annual hot air balloon festival that draws a big big array of people. We've got a, a Beer by the Bay music festival every summer where it's some of the hottest uh, country artists throughout America come to Texas and play. And we bring in all the craft breweries that are popular in Texas and great uh, food, and that's an experience. We have a wine, dine, and jazz festival in the fall. And then we even have a, a, a match play tournament every year that features PGA golfers and uh, we pair them up we'll have a pairings dinner the night before and then they play the shootout and uh intentionally we start this event at high noon every year and uh and and then we have the pga uh, pros play against each other in a match play format and it's it's a lot of fun it's kind of like an inside the ropes experience for our patrons because they get to walk with the pros on on one of our 418 uh whole courses so you know, that that's the thing. You go to our website, and it's like, what what can I choose to do at Horseshoe Bay Resort this weekend with my golf trip? And we've got hundreds of experiences for you, and I think that's what separates us from the competition.
1: Well, and you, and you, you, you really, you know, hit it right on the mark is, you know, truly a, a successful resort is not just about the golf uh, or the luxury spas. Uh, it's about the events. It's what's going on around the area, what's going on. Uh, you know obviously other things and, and again having 7,000 acres to work with gives you a lot of flexibility uh, to do different things uh, at you know from one end to the other and, and I think it's important um, that, that people understand that uh, you know as you pointed out with, with being you know close to wine country in your area it gives other options if if the significant other like you said or even if you want to do it as a couple at some point during your trip uh, want to go on some wine tours or or what have you there's a lot of those things uh, happening, so what are uh, an obvious question obviously with last year we we've been uh, trying to get out of uh, from underneath this pandemic, and obviously mm-hmm. it was very difficult for everybody in that and I'm sure much like everybody else, you guys you know certainly had some struggles trying to do certain things in order to comply, um, but are you starting to see that now opening up? I mean the governor obviously Uh, Governor Abbott of Texas, of course, has just recently uh, opened up Texas uh, for business, for lack of better words. Uh, Are you starting to see, basically, now that the floodgates are opened up, that people are itching to get back out and and have some fun at Horseshoe?
4: Absolutely, yeah. And, I mean, we saw the floodgates open last summer. Uh, You know, what what we've learned is uh, overall... You know uh, our customer that's out there, whether it's regional or or national, they're looking for places to go and uh But I think being a destination resort, we're about an hour west of Austin, Texas. So the perception is we're a little away from it all. you got to make an effort to get here. you're not downtown at a property, and there's a perception of a little bit more uh uh space, which has been an important uh asset to have uh since this pandemic occurred but yeah mm-hmm. once Last summer we were able to open and we've been operating with restrictions uh, until last week Which with what you said with Governor Abbott, Uh, but yes, there's there's pent-up demand Uh, Everyone wants Mm -hmm. to get away and do something and you know I'm talking to you right now and it's our main spring break week and we've been at capacity uh, All week long so it's it's good to see Uh, you know, we're thankful for the business Uh, for us as operators uh, it's just been about safety and making sure that uh, people come here, families come here, golfers come here. We want them to have a great experience, but we want them to feel safe. And so, what are those uh, operational policies we're doing to ensure that? And I think we've been pretty successful over doing that over the last you know 12 to 14 months.
1: Yeah, I think I think I would agree. I think everybody, especially in your line of work, has has really stepped up and done everything you know humanly possible to. You know, to accommodate and, a, and adjust, uh, you know, to make that experience as safe and, and comfortable for, for everybody. So let's talk about, you know, w- w- we've mentioned a couple of things, you know, the wine tours, the, the, the great golfing and so on and so forth. But this is not just an adult uh, resort. This is a family-friendly resort as well. So what are some things, maybe talk about some things that are available uh, if, if the whole family wants to come and maybe uh, the kids are, are not there to, to play golf. What are some things that they can do?
4: Sure, and we've got a we got an active kids program. I mean, uh, you know, and, and it's good to talk to you during spring break because we're doing everything right now. But uh, you know, for the kids, there's all sorts of ac- arts and craft activities throughout the day. Um, they can do everything from scavenger hunts to uh, you know arts and crafts. Uh, we have a kids club that's very popular. Uh, has a two story slide uh, for the for the the kids to enjoy. Um, We do s'mores at night. That's complimentary when you stay here, so that's a very fun family tradition. And then, you know, we have giant water slides that come in every weekend. We've got um, just a lot of different uh, games and activities for the kids uh, to enjoy. Then also for the kids, you know, this resort, we're in the hill country of Texas, and if you know the hill country, it's an area that's Mm -hmm. north of San Antonio, west of Austin, but stretches – you know, all the way up to just southwest of the Dallas-Fort Worth area and then stretches another hundred miles west of Austin. So it's a pretty massive area, and it's hilly with a little semi-arid cactus environment. But at this resort, because we're on a lake, uh, the developers have planted four or five hundred palm trees around campus. And so it feels like a tropical oasis in the heart of the hill country. And, uh, And with that tropical experience that you have here, we have a family of uh, uh, macaws and parrots that are here on property we have a aviculturalist. so we bring out the birds and and that's part of our interactive experience with the family and the and the children is for them to meet you know Manny the macaw or Mingo the flamingo uh, and it's a very <laughs> Instagrammable experience for the family so when you take we bring all that together it, it really makes it for a, a fun fun experience for the family not to mention all the the pools we have and and, uh, you know, we even have a kids pool specifically for them. So there's something to do just about every hour uh, for everyone. And, uh, you know, families are a big part of our uh, business model from, you know, spring break through Labor Day weekend.
1: Well, and you also, <coughs> excuse me, you also mentioned that you're on LBJ uh, Lake. So there's obviously mm-hmm. some boating act- activities and, and other water recreation. So there's a lot of different things, uh, you know, for those that want to get into, you know, some more water sports there's that there as well. Uh, you obviously, um, uh, it's a great location uh, for those that uh, uh, want to perform those nuptials and, and get married. You've got uh, <laughs> some great, some great uh, you know, options there as well and, and obviously uh, you cater to uh, organizations as you mentioned earlier that want to come and have uh, meetings or, or corporate events mm-hmm. and things like that. There's obviously great facilities. But while you're on the resort, um, you know, seven thousand acres. While you're playing golf and and doing all the great water sports, you gotta eat. Talk about some of the great options uh, in the resort that they can eat.
4: Yeah, there's something for everyone, and uh, obviously we have our you know main restaurant. It's called Jay's, and it, it's a, a kind of a Texas hill country theme. And it's uh, the brisket, you know, we've got what I love about this kitchen. It's 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 decked out, and you can do steaks, chicken fried steak, which is a very popular here in Texas. But I've got two huge smokers uh, outside the kitchen, and uh, we do nothing but smoke brisket and turkey throughout the day. In fact, when you arrive at Horseshoe Bay Resort and you get out of the car at valet to, to come check in, one of the comments we always get is I, that's the first thing is I, I can smell the smoker. I can smell the brisket, <laughs> and I know I've arrived at Horseshoe Bay Resort. And uh, we get that on our on our surveys all the time. So uh, you know that we have our our restaurant there, but we are diverse. We have so many outlets um, at Slick Rock, which uh, so Clubhouse, which supports the Slick Rock Golf Course, um, very known for its uh, uh, J, or for its Slick Rock Burger, which has been voted as one of the best burgers in all of Texas. And uh, so people will come there just to have the burger. Um, and then on the waterfront, we have the Yacht Club. Uh, facility and that has, uh, uh, the yacht club dining room, which is kind of our chop house. You can have any type of beef that you would like there. Uh, lots of di- uh, variety in the menu. It's upscale. We have a dress code required in the evening, collared shirts and pants. Um, so it's a, it's a great place to celebrate those anniversaries, that birthday dinner. Uh, you know, we have a lot of weddings that will want to have their rehearsal dinner, uh, down there and it's a very, uh, upbeat, uh, in refined atmosphere, uh, but it's, it's, it's great. And if you're down there, one thing you have to have for dessert is uh, the mile high key lime pie, uh, literally, oh, wow. it's <laughs> about a foot tall when it comes onto the plate. And, uh, it gets uh, talked about a lot. And if you just go to our Instagram page, you'll see lots of pictures of that. Uh, you know, just other options. Uh, uh, we've got a 360 sports club. So when you come and play golf, at horseshoe bay resort most of the buddy trips will end up at the sports club and so you go in and there's uh 16 tvs in a in a perfect circle uh and so you'll pick your spot and watch the whatever you want to watch the ncaa basketball tournaments coming up and so that's just a great Mm -hmm. place to be but what's really unique about it and what i haven't mentioned is that horseshoe bay resort has an 18 hole regulation par 72 putting course called whitewater and it's uh, cool. so we use the real Bermuda grass that we do on our other courses and uh, so a lot of families and uh, the buddy golf groups will go and, and play that course uh, and it surrounds the 360 Sports Club which makes just for another unique experience that separates us from the competition
1: well wow, that's fantastic um, you know I, the whole time you were talking about the the food in the restaurants my mouth was watering and I, I was thinking about the burger and then i was thinking about the mile high key lime pie and and uh i was thinking about running for a snack here if you don't mind standing by i'm only kidding but um, <laughs> some great uh, uh you know and, and that's the thing is you know when you go to to anywhere uh, you know any sort of a revo- resort and and especially here at horseshoe you want to have that overall experience you want to have where there's something for everybody to do uh, again, it's, it's not all just about golf. Obviously, that's uh, a major thing that you're offering there, but there are so many other options. And you want to have a variety of options of eating, uh, different dining experiences, and so on and so forth. Uh, the other thing is, let's talk about accommodations. There's a variety of here. Uh, so sort of give us an overview of what some of the uh, accommodations are like. You've obviously got... Uh, Things uh, specific to the resort, and then obviously I see that you also have uh, private home rentals. So there's a lot of other things that are available. Touch on that uh, if we wanted to come and stay. What are some of our options?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you know we've we've got a variety of options. You have everything from a, a hotel tower that you know goes up seven stories, and uh, you know this all the rooms have been recently renovated. So they're have all the latest. other uh, are you know they're wired for anything anyone wants to do. I- iPads, etc. We have all the USB ports and they're they're wonderful and great and very convenient to the core. Uh, we have uh, Palm Villas and these there we have about a hundred of them and they range in one, two, and three bedrooms. Uh, but families can come in and they'll have their own full kitchens, which is important to families if you're here on a multi-day trip. Um, and and those are popular. Uh, and then we also have. Uh, condos that are on the waterfront and these are just well-appointed units obviously a uh, one two and three bedroom units um, But you can sit there and just be having a glass of wine watching the sun go down on the shores of Lake LBJ uh, And so those are very popular and then uh we also have private homes that are both on and off the water for larger groups or buddy trips or uh, any of that and uh, so we've got something for everyone from a from a accommodation standpoint, you know, it just depends if you want to be, if it's a, a couple and they want to be in the tower, great. If you've got a group of eight, we've got something for you with a, a well-appointed house, a three-bedroom condos, palm villas next to each other. So we're very flexible and it can accommodate a variety of uh, leisure travelers' needs. And I think that's one thing that makes the experience great because you can have dinner out a couple of nights in a row. You want to do something at the kitchen inside your unit, that's great, too. Um, So it's just very flexible in that regard.
1: And of course, um, you know, everybody likes a little pampering, uh, especially, um, you know, our spouses like that uh, when they come to uh, a place to to rest and relax. And you've got some great spa and salon services available, variety of packages, and you've got a health club on site as well. Maybe you could just uh, talk a little bit about that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we've got a, you know, a wonderful spa that uh, features, uh, we've got 14 different treatment rooms and a great variety of uh, massage treatments that anyone can schedule in advance and, and, uh, and come enjoy. Uh, also, you know, the spa does uh, manicures and pedicures. Uh, so for weddings, that's a wonderful thing because the entire wedding party can get glammed up before their big uh, evening with uh, all the family and friends that are in town for these special events uh salon as part of our spa as well lots of retail so we we really do well we have a you know a, a, a resistance pool steam rooms dry sauna so the the spa really does a nice job of complementing the uh, overall pampering experience um you know and i and it's important you know i think uh, coming to relax is is a big part of of what we do, and so if you're at one of our pools, which we have four, and one of them's on Lake LBJ, uh, and, and and then you want to relax at the spa, I mean, you can just check out and chill out uh, for the duration of your stay, and we have a lot of people do that.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, as I said, you want something um, that offers a little bit for everybody, because, again, not everybody's uh, maybe plays golf, and, you know, if you're coming as a family, um, you know, maybe both parents golf, maybe only one golfs, uh, so you want to have things, and it sounds like you have a, an all-encompassing uh, property that has a lot of variety uh, and, and options uh, for families or, or, as you said, for, for buddy trips. Um, you touched on a couple things earlier, but let's maybe get into some more specifics. Uh, over the last little while, you guys recently uh, did 100 million-plus uh, renovations. Uh, again, you touched on some of it. Uh, mm-hmm what did we get for 100 million dollars what did we what did we do at at the horseshoe bay
4: yeah well i i can give you an overview of everything we have done which has been pretty remarkable over the last couple of years but uh you know we we feature here three robert trent jones senior golf courses and we aptly call it the texas triangle because uh you know there's some of his most <laughs> uh uh you know revered works uh you know he built these uh, slick was the original course called slick rock everything's a rock slick rock ram rock and right. Apple rock and uh you know back then uh before you know seven thousand acres were developed you know you would bring in a robert trent jones senior on a blank canvas and he would lay out the course and then and then uh it, he got first picks uh, if you will for the best land and then you can really see that and how he laid out these courses uh um and what's what's neat about all three of the courses, you know, one uh, Slick was seventy one, I believe uh Apple and RAM were in the early eighties, but part of that hundred million dollar uh, capital improvement plan was a full renovation of each one of those courses. So they're back to their original pristine, uh, condition. Uh, greens were expanded, collars were added, uh, you know, the, the bunkers were reshaped to their original, uh, condition. And, uh, so we're really excited about it. And we've been receiving rave reviews, uh, about all three of the courses. Um, the clubhouses, the Slick Rock Clubhouse was, uh, uh, renovated, uh, which is a beautiful facility and f- features obviously where you can get the Slick Rock Burger I mentioned, Bull Pro mm-hmm. Shop, uh, uh, its own bar in there, and then a, 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 a group function space. Um, and then you go over to Cap Rock, and Cap Rock uh, is a is a new area uh, that we've built a new pavilion as part of that hundred million dollars. We've built uh, a new Pro Shop. Uh, and really, a core complex, a, a revamped pool area, and an outdoor cabana grill. And then we're about to unveil uh, a new facility, which is our uh, clubhouse up there as well, which will just be unbelievable with a, a clubhouse overlooking the finishing holes of the two courses up there, which is Ram Rock and Apple Rock. And uh, really excited about getting that open uh, later this year. Um, so that's that's a big chunk of what we've done. I talked about all the room renovations but the spa has mm. been renovated the kids club that i mentioned is new the 360 sports club was a new uh, uh, facility um, so there's just been a lot we added um, you know we talk about we're on a lake we uh, added 347 new boat slips uh, to our marina that have the hydro hoist lifts that you just hit a button and they raise out of the water which is very popular uh, for boaters and uh, we've added a new waterfront restaurant uh, next to the marina. Uh, that that's a wonderful facility. Uh, and then uh, of course all the investment into the toys we were talking about with the jet skis and the pontoon boats and the ski boats, all of that uh, uh, new. We renovated the yacht club. That was a facility that's been here since the 70s, so it got a complete makeover. And then the uh, yacht club uh, pool area, which is on the shores of Lake LBJ, you got a beach entry to the lake, the pool, and then a bunch of uh, event space down there. All that was uh, transformed and reimagined uh, and, and really a, a beautiful spot. So all of that, you know, you can tally up those numbers and kind of get to, to what we've spent. But uh, the, the investment's been well worth it. And like I said, when we opened the show, it's just been an exponential growth for us over the last few years, and we're excited to see where the future is going to go for us.
1: Well, I think it's, yeah, I, I think it's important too. You know, uh, obviously, as as things change in the environment, with what people like, what people don't like, and and what their interests are, uh, again, it, it's always a, an ever changing world and adapting to uh, expanding uh, not only facility, and I don't necessarily mean an uh, acreage, but expanding what you're offering and things that uh, you're able to do. And, and I want to talk stick with golf just for a, a few more moments here. Uh, Because you have, just besides the ability to play some world-class golf, um, you offer, obviously, um, for those that uh, maybe need a little help uh, planning, you actually offer some golf packages. Maybe, you know, they don't know what to do uh, or or how to go about it, you actually offer some great golf packages, correct?
4: Correct, yeah, and we've got, you know, uh, instructors at all the courses. We actually have a director of instruction, Bobby Steiner, uh, who is out at, uh, you know, out on the West Coast. We're so fortunate to have him uh, here at Horseshoe Bay Resort. But we've got, you know, camps for, for juniors in the summer. Uh, we've got, you know, private instruction for anyone that wants to learn more about the game. And then we've got packages, too, uh, just for instruction purposes, like play and learn packages that uh, that have become very popular. So we're you know, we have all the tools and, uh, uh, you know, facilities to make one who wants to get better at the game do it in a way that it's very enjoyable and and some of the best teaching instructors uh, in North America and, and excited to have them here but I've got such a great golf staff I mean Anthony Holders, our our director of golf and he was at PGA West previously so we're uh, you know fortunate to have him here at the resort and and Bobby and uh, you know Del Woods, one of our uh, head of golf pros and uh, we have a private members course called Summit Rock, and he oversees that. So um, just just a lot in the golf world, and then you know, we've got a lot of uh, guys that are on tour uh, that are members here, and and they are, have bought into the vision of who we want to be, and are out here giving clinics for resort guests and for club members, and uh, so you know it's it's something special. You know, if you're if you're not in Texas and you haven't heard about Horseshoe Bay Resort. You know that that's okay, but I think if you come here and give us a try, it'll rival what you've been doing for quite some time. And uh, you just gotta be able to get out here and and give us a chance. And I think you'll be very pleasantly surprised, uh, and be on the way back, be saying, why haven't we done this sooner? (laughs) Well,
1: and that's what it's all about. You know, you wanna you want people, uh, as they leave the resort after they've spent their time, you want them feeling. I can't wait to come back because there was so much there available. So you always want to create that feeling of I can't wait till I come back the next time. And and I like the fact, too, you know, obviously, you know, uh, golf courses all around uh, the country and that, you know, there's always instruction available. But it's great that you've got such an extensive uh, program um, for really every level of golfer because, you know, as you know, as I'm sure you've, you've experienced this last year, that there were a lot of new people to the game. Um, You know, we've all kind of felt trapped in in the home for a while. Uh, You can only, you know, watch so much Netflix and so forth. So a lot of people really were looking for something to do. So there were a lot of new people to the game. And it's important that they get off to a a, a good start. And it sounds like you've got something there for every level of golfer. Some more seasoned golfers that want to just have a quick tune-up to those that are maybe just learning the game. There's something there for them as well, and I think that's, Uh, important, and it sounds like you guys have done a great job in in encompassing that um, and and being able to offer that. What are some other things that you want people to know about Horseshoe um, that maybe we haven't talked
4: about? Yeah, you know, I think uh, with Horseshoe Bay Resort, we also, you know, we have so much here, but we also have our own FBO. We we have our own airport, and uh, so, we have a lot of private aircraft that will fly into the resort on a on a daily weekly basis. and uh, you know we're we're a partner with Wills up. Uh, so we have uh, you know they can bring you in that that service can bring you into the resort and we'll have you know eight guys come in from Houston, Texas on a private king air and and play golf all weekend and fly right back. Uh, makes it very convenient. you know, Private aircraft uh, has really come down in pricing and it's and due to the pandemic. It's become very uh, More more popular than ever before um, You know traditionally if you're just doing commercial aircraft you fly into Austin and then you know come over to the resort um, But we're seeing a lot more people just arrive in their own aircraft and they'll just divvy that that price up and it uh, ends up being uh, you know affordable for the vast majority of people so uh, that that is different for us We we will pick you up up at our airport bring you right down to the to the uh, check-in area at our resort and, and you're off And running and and then we just have shuttle service that runs you out to all the different restaurants and clubhouses So once you're here you're here, and you don't need to worry about uh, anything else but you do make a good point about variety of golf and uh, you know slick rocks predominantly our easiest course and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's uh, flatter and, and more forgiving and uh, you know we have a signature hole that's a neat little story uh, when Robert Trent Jones designed it uh, back in let's say 71 um, you know it's a par four about 369 yards and uh, you hit your tee shot from an elevated viewpoint over a double waterfall and if you go to our website Mm -hmm. hsbresort.com you'll probably see the photo Um, in order to play your second shot you got to get in the golf cart go down through a low water crossing and then the cart path goes through the double waterfalls up to the fairway to go go find your second shot so it's a really neat experience it's Instagrammable. everyone wants to get a picture of themselves uh, with the double Mm -hmm. waterfalls behind them and uh, it's, it's a neat experience but you know, we slick is easy. I would say Apple Rock's our, uh, our, you know, course. That's a little more challenging. And then Ram Rock uh, has been known as one of the uh, more challenging courses in the state of Texas. And uh, it's hosted the Texas State Open many years, where where Tom Kite, Ben Crenshaw, when they were younger in their college days, would play. And there's stories of them losing many golf balls on on Ram Rock uh, when they played it. And uh, so. <laughs> There's something for everyone, and then if you're just getting into the game and want to have fun with a family, I mean, we'll have Whitewater putting course open tonight on spring break, and there'll be families out there till 10 o'clock tonight just enjoying the game and, and putting on real Bermuda grass and getting a score through their 18 holes. So it's an enjoyable sport, and, I you know, and we talked about it earlier. It's just how, how did you get into it, but the benefit of golf is just so much more prevalent now than I think ever before. It's just putting down your right. phones and – and, and just being able to laugh and be together with, obviously, people you care about when you're golfing with them and uh, just having the time to dedicate Golf is the way, it's the method we all get to enjoy time with each other that we may not have done it if, if we weren't enjoying the sport like we do. And I really think that's just such a, a big benefit and it's just being reintroduced to a new group uh, due to the environment we're in. But, you know, mm-hmm. moving forward, I hope that stays and we'll continue to see this sport grow.
1: I think we will, because I, I think, you know, as, as more and more people recognize that, you know, we're not all going to make it to the PGA or the LPGA Tour, um, and we don't have to. Uh, golf is something that can just go out and have a good time and, and you know, develop relationships, whether it be personal relationships or, or business relationships. Uh, and it's also, there's, uh, I mean, the the options are endless for careers in golf. Um, everything from teacher professionals uh, to hospitality to you know resort uh, uh, development and so on and so forth. There are just so many options out there uh, and that's just scratching the surface by the way but um, there's just so many options out there and you're exactly right. I think as this next generation begins to see um, for the first time in some cases uh, you know as again as a result of the pandemic they're going to experience that, that golf is not necessarily what they thought it might have been or what their, you know, visual experience they've seen on TV. So, you know, I, I always encourage young people to get out there and whether it's playing mini putt or, or what have you, just to get out there and just be exposed to the game. And, uh, you know, it's always interesting as a, as a teacher professional when I see students for the first time get out on the driving range and they hit that one really good shot, uh, it doesn't matter whether 40 shots were terrible and you know what I'm talking about. They hit that one good shot, and it's like, well, I'll see you next time. They're ready to come Absolutely. back in for the next lesson. So that's one of the fun things. You don't get that too much in a lot of other sports. All right, you mentioned you touched on a little earlier as we get close to, to wrapping up here soon. Um, you mentioned about you know, the wine tours and things in the area, but you have some other things that are nearby. Uh, in fact, there's endless things to do uh, near the Horseshoe Bay uh, Resort. Uh, what are some other yeah. options if people want to do Absolutely. a little exploring?
4: yeah if you want to do exploring you know in the hill country it's 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 a great area that has a lot of uh you know smaller towns that have that hill country charm um so like fredericksburg texas if you're you if you're you probably Mm -hmm. have heard of that and it's you know Mm -hmm. a a german bavarian type town that has a lot of uh, beer gardens and annual festivals there uh with a lot of uh, shopping uh, you know, Marble Falls, which is close to us, they, they do the same thing with just, you know, these downtown main streets that have, you know, uh, boutique shops and am- antiques and all of those, uh, kind of hill country charm towns. So that, that's very popular. Um, bourbon distilleries, uh, uh, all the, the craft breweries in the area. And then on the recreation side, we're in the hill country. So there's a lot of state parks. There's a, uh, Mm -hmm. enchanted rock state park which is uh it's like a a granite dome that everyone hikes up the face of it to take pictures uh that's right outside the front door and then you know on on the lake side it's the fishing we just got through doing our annual horseshoe bay uh club championship fishing tournament and i think the winner had about a five and a half pound largemouth bass but it's it's uh you know we do the the tours where you can do everything from bow fishing to to bass fishing uh, uh, on our lake, so there's there's a lot of variety of activities. We're near Austin, so you can get that big experience with the festivals and everything Austin does, with the uh, Formula One races and you know UT football, and and uh, so you can go do that, or you can stay here and and get away from it all. But we're so. It's, it's becoming so closer and closer together with the tremendous growth in this area that it's all kind of the lines are getting a little bit blurred and it's just easier to go do everything for everyone, even though we're in a resort destination.
1: Yeah, and you have some other things as well. There's the uh, Hamilton Pool Nature Preserve, uh, which is kind of interesting as well. Uh, uh, you know, a unique experience there. And uh, the LBJ uh, National Historic Park. So there's a lot of other options there as well for people that want to maybe do a little, uh, you know, uh, to get off the resort for a few hours. They can go and visit uh, some of these other options uh, just to to have a new experience, and, uh, and then correct. come back and yeah, come back and and uh, and have more fun, uh, you know, within the resort uh, itself. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's all encompassing, and, and I just want to make note for those that are tuning in, and, and maybe you're not that familiar with the resort. Um, as editor of uh, Golf Tips magazine, we're actually going to have uh, as one of the travel uh, destinations featured in uh, the upcoming magazine, which will be out uh, on April 20th, newsstands. Uh, the Horseshoe Bay Resort will be in. Uh, an upcoming issue of Golf Tips Magazine, the May-June issue, actually, which will hit newsstands April 20th. So uh, you can uh, go out and check that article out as well uh, in the magazine to learn more if you haven't learned enough this evening. And also you can visit uh, hsbresort.com, which is their website, and you can see and experience all of the things that we've talked about here uh, this evening on the show. Well, Brian, I want to thank you uh, for doing that. Any final uh, comments or thoughts that you'd like to share before uh, before we close off?
4: Yeah, hsbresort.com. And, you know, the one thing I didn't mention is, you know, we have so many wildflowers here in uh, in Texas, mm-hmm. in the hill country this time of year. So the blue bonnets just started to bloom. Uh, the Indian paintbrushes are to follow. But the wildflower season is here, and it's such a great time to come out. It's warm today. at 74 degrees for a high. So if you're anywhere out there and you're saying, I need a warm weather destination to get away to, Horseshoe <laughs> Bay Resort might be your choice this spring. So we look forward to seeing you. And, uh, you know, you're doing a great thing on this show, and, and keep up the good work. And I sure do appreciate you having me on this evening.
1: Well, you're welcome to come back, Ryan, anytime. Um, I'm glad to have you on here. And, and uh, you know, I think it's a great resort, and I look forward to, Uh, navigating my way out out, uh, in my travels. Hopefully, uh, I'll be able to do that this year. We're trying to set some things up, but um, I I look forward to coming out and and visiting uh, your resort. I think it's great, and there's so much to do. I'll have to come a few times, I think, just to to be able to cover it all, but uh, that's okay. I'm not going to complain, but uh, Brian, I appreciate it very much, uh, joining tonight and sharing that, and again, uh, if you want to go to their website it's uh www.hsbresort.com and you can check out all of the stuff that we talked about here tonight on the show but um thank you for uh for spending some time with me this evening and and sharing uh all of the uh information about this great uh, facility I, I think a lot of people are are going to take uh take note of it and i hope it uh, continues to flourish and grow and and uh, you guys keep doing the great work that you're doing
4: Yep, same to you. Look forward to seeing you down here later this year. Take care.
1: All right. Thanks, Brian. All right. That was Brian Woodward, Managing Director at the Horseshoe Bay uh, Resort in Texas. And, again, if you visit uh, hsbresort.com, uh, you can see all of the uh, things, as I said, that we uh, discussed this evening. Uh, once again, I want to thank a uh, very special guests joining me earlier on the Coach's Corner panel, John Decker and Jamie Leno-Zimron. Uh, Thank you both for always uh, bringing your best to the panel discussions, and um, I look forward to uh, next week's panel uh, as we uh, uh, continue the conversation uh, here on the panel discussions on Coach's Corner segment, and I'll have another great guest for you as well, so I hope you'll come back and join me. Remember to tune in each week. Uh, We are live every Thursday from 6 to 8 8, 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll see you next week. God bless, and thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coaches Corner Panel, and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.